Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deck. And most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know as I adjust my camera on the Zoom. Uh, so, longtime listeners, uh, you know what day this stuff comes out. This is our weekly listener mail segment where we share some of our favorite and or most important pieces of correspondence from your fellow conspiracy realists. Quick heads up, everybody listening, uh, maybe with younger folks in the crowd with you or in the car or wherever you find yourself, uh, there does need to be a disclaimer for today's listener mail segment. Uh, we do have a segment that will be covering um, covering content of a sexual nature, and we feel this is vital information. Uh, we also feel it may not be appropriate for all our fellow listeners. Uh, so do take that into consideration, but we're not starting there. We're gonna we're gonna start with something uh, a little less, Heavy, but still, I would argue, scary in its own way. Our 
first story, I believe, starts with cheese, doesn't it? Yes, it sure does. Cheese and encryption gone awry. People feeling too comfortable on the internet. That's a thing. And before we get into the story, this came to us by way of Cleaver, another good alias, um, in a story full of aliases. Uh, And the subject says it all. Drug dealer busted by cheese pick. Hello, I'm a longtime listener and enjoyer of your podcast, and I would like to share a bit of strange news. I had seen on the front website page of my local news site that a man from the UK had been jailed due to fingerprint analysis of a picture he took holding a block of cheese. I will link the scene in an article. Uh, they took uh, the story from below my message, but I thought this was wildly fascinating and wanted to share it with you guys. I also thought it would be great if uh, most likely Matt <laughs> spoke about this story and would uh, bring up the craziness, but also the crazy tools that law enforcement have to be able to use against people. Uh, this is a great and weird story with possibly horrifying consequences for the average citizen due to the nutso bonkers way government and law enforcement can catch people. I trust you guys will be able to do this story justice. Best and warmest concerns, Cleaver. Hey, thanks for the shout out, by the way, Cleaver. Uh, sorry, it wasn't me this time. Ha <laughs> ha. But you're here, but you're here, Matt. You're here. Great name too, Cleaver, by the way. Seriously. I have this image of Cleaver, you know, like looking around the kitchen and saying, which piece of cutlery will I go by? And as the Templar said to Indy, you have chosen wisely. Oh, and also, there's only one. (laughs) It's true. There is only one. And it also is the name of the movie inside of the television series, The Sopranos, which I will not stop talking about, um, that uh, Christopher makes uh, along with some of his mob uh, financiers. It's like a horror movie about a uh, mob uh, boss who gets hacked into small pieces and reanimates and comes back to life as the titular murderous Cleaver who comes back for revenge against those that wronged him. Um, Nice. Very, very multifaceted name there. All right. Well, Cleaver, take it away. You know, for the longest time, anyone, let's just, okay, no judgment here, but anyone who's perhaps uh, found themselves procuring illegal substances in some form or fashion probably has been told, don't text. You know, don't text things that are incriminating um, and probably best just not to text Stuff like that at all with your plug, I believe, is oh. the uh, is the term the kids use. Or make up a silly code word. I I'll, I think the statute's passed. I'll say that. That was one of my favorite things in the younger days was uh, I, I would know people had these elaborate systems mm-hmm. for their texting, for their like uh, any any kind of slang you could imagine. It's just somebody was a little bit high and they were like, hey, man, you got any more of that peanut butter? Or something equally annoying. Sure. Or you could go the kind of, you know, measurement route where it's like, yeah, I want to get a mix CD. Let me get a 30-minute mix CD or a 60-minute <laughs> mix CD or a 120-minute mix CD, right? Uh, the thing about That's that weird, is, you guys. This is elaborate. I, I honestly didn't know this happened. Well, you're a, you're a good lad, Matt, and we love you dearly. <laughs> But it's a thing. Um, But here's the thing. These days, probably for the last, you know, 10 years, maybe um, the uh, emergence of these encrypted apps for communicating with uh, said plug have become a thing. I actually remember 
being on a work trip uh, in New York and just kind of like flipping through the, you know, the local kind of city pages or whatever, maybe what would be the equivalent of our creative loafing here or stomp and stammer or something like that, sort of like an independent rag, you know, that has like uh, classifieds in the back and actually seeing pretty brazen advertisements for drug dealers in the back um, that require the use of an app called Telegram. Telegram is sort of the popular one, I think, these days still uh, because it is encrypted and it's directly to the source and there's like message boards that you can view where maybe a dealer has their menu or something on there. But certain group of dealers have really taken this to an extreme with an app called EncroChat. E-N-C-R-O chat. Um, and the, and it actually is even more elaborate than this because not, it's not an app you can get in the app store. It's a very kind of exclusive um, app that actually involves a specific I guess jailbroken phone <clears throat> that has like a code you can enter into it to wipe all local data um, and all records of these transactions. Unfortunately, that doesn't work so well when police um, uh, infiltrate said app or said network, when police actually get one of these phones themselves and are acting as either a user or a dealer themselves. But the thing is, this is not just a casual drug forum for, you know, buying and selling marijuana, for example. This is uh, very elaborate and involves moving lots and lots of weight. This is more of a traffickers type app. Um so some big fish using this service. Um, and even in, in uh, a press release um, around the story that I'm about to talk about, uh, there is discussion of folks using this to plan hits even against rival dealers. So very, very high level crime going on in this app. Uh, and obviously this is uh, in, in, in England or in the United Kingdom where this story is centered, uh, where in a local man from Liverpool um, was recently arrested because he you know, was posting on this app uh, using an alias um, and he, you know, an alias meaning like a, like a screen name, which I believe was something like Toffee, Toffee King, no, Toffee Force, T-O-F-F-E-E Force. And if the toffee in that name indicates that this guy was maybe into, you know, culinary pursuits, well, that's, that's, that's totally true. Um, because he posted, in addition to posting pictures of drugs and, and all of that, um, he posted a picture of a, a substance that, uh, to your brain, uh, may as well be a drug. They say that cheese uh, is to one's brain almost as addictive as, like, say, crack or cocaine. Um, cheese uh, sets off some of these uh, pleasure centers responses in a very similar way to hard drugs. Uh, and it can become addictive <laughs> in that way. Uh, obviously a little more benign long-term, you might gain a little weight, but you're probably not going to overdose or, you know, you know, have some sort of debilitating addiction. You just might just be, you know, a cheese, a habitual cheese eater. But um, yeah, this guy, Carl Stewart, uh, who's 39 years old, um, in the in the press release, he's listed as being of Jim Street, Liverpool. He was just recently sentenced to 13 years and six months in prison uh, by the Liverpool Crown Court. Um, and that is because and, and the, the charge is for trafficking, conspiracy to traffic, uh, cocaine, conspiracy to supply heroin, conspiracy to supply MDMA and conspiracy to supply ketamine and transferring criminal property. And it all stemmed from a picture 
where he was holding a piece of Stilton blue cheese, specifically mature blue Stilton, crafted by Long Clausen in Leicestershire, uh, a delicately rich and creamy Stilton uh, from a company called MNS. Uh, I'm literally reading from the label on this picture where you can see his hands. And in addition to his hands, you can see the pads of his fingers. And as Cleaver said, this is apparently all it takes for law enforcement to do a uh, fingerprint analysis, uh, which makes sense considering that phone pics these days are of pretty seriously high resolution. You know, they, they've just got, you know, every time a new generation comes out, they just add more megapixels. Uh, and even, you know, a few generations old phone would likely be enough to produce uh, a clear enough image that could then be zoomed in and you can actually see those rings on the fingers. And again, in this image, you can see one, two, three fingers fully unobstructed. Um, and they're quite close, close enough where if I zoomed in, I could myself with my naked eye see those rings. So, um, fellas, what, what do you think about this technology? Is this something you were aware of? It makes sense to me. It doesn't feel like mm. a stretch, but it also feels a little creepy, right? Like for, you know, your average Joe that isn't posting on an illegal encrypted drugs app, but like say, uh, you know, finding out somebody's identity from Facebook posts or, um, using this kind of analysis to find out information that maybe people would rather keep private. Yeah. I look guys, I'm over here taking pictures uh, of my fingers with yeah. my, what is this? An iPhone 10 or 11, like whatever one, it only has yeah. one camera on it, but I'm having trouble getting a high enough resolution photo of my fingerprint. Maybe if I took it into Photoshop, I could mm -hmm. like, up the contrast or maybe yeah. up the, what do they call it? The uh, structure, you know, where Ooh. you can, it, it makes the lines a little more crisp or the um, sharpen. You can sharpen the image perhaps. Yeah, I can see some of it. I At least the one that's posted on here on the CNN article doesn't look like you can clearly see the fingerprints unless maybe they've I'm, been removed for some maybe reason. Maybe I'm being generous, and that's certainly possible, Matt, but I, I also maybe doubt it. They don't look like they're soft focus, but you're right. I was probably being a little bit generous. Um, I'm zooming in a little bit myself, and I can see some of them, but does this feel like new technology to you guys, or does this feel like something that maybe has been in the works for a long time or in use it's for a long time? I, <laughs> it's not new. It's not new. There you <laughs> I, it, it, it isn't new. Um, it's been around like reporting of this goes back a few years, which I think should indicate reasonably. This is just me guessing uh, reasonably that it had been around in some form uh, before that. You can find stories from police doing the same thing with WhatsApp. Yep. Uh, often with some sort of proprietary matching technology. You can also see this sort of the fancy name is biometric identity verification dating back even further for a number of years. Uh, I think a lot of it is that there are tech aspects that you guys are talking about, but to be clear, this is not as simple as uh, someone eyeballing it by no means. And there, oh. there are things that conclusively determine which, whose fingerprints belong to whom uh, in ways that are not visible to the naked eye, regardless well, of the resolution. Well, well yeah, but, fingerprints, yes. Fingerprints, sure. But this is not a fingerprint. This is this is a picture of a hand, right, represented mm -hmm. by pixels. And, like, I, I, I th for me, this is brand new. I've never heard of a picture of a physical hand that was taken by a consumer 
grade phone used to identify. For me, that was brand new. It was to me, too. But after digging a little bit into Ben's point, there is an article from 2018 uh, specifically referencing police using a photo taken from WhatsApp. And in this article, they are describing it in the release as, quote, pioneering fingerprint techniques. Got it. So okay. here's, a, here's a little snippet that's what, from. That's what you're yeah. talking about, Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a little yeah, snippet from the about. South Wales police um, saying more or less how they do it. Uh, speaking about the pioneering techniques used in this case, Dave Thomas, forensic operations manager at the scientific support unit, added specialist staff within the JSIU fully utilized their expert image in enhancing skills, which enabled them to provide something that the unit's fingerprint identification experts could work. Despite being provided with only a very small section of the fingerprint, and again, this new one that we're talking about in today's story is several full, fully unobstructed fingers, a small section of the fingerprint, which was visible in the photograph, the team were able to successfully identify the individual. This is from 2018. So here's the deal. I need to see this tech at work because they do say they enhance it. But right. I, I don't believe it, everybody. I, I think they found them out in some other way, and they're using this as like, this is like the old uh, lie detector test. Mm. where I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, just joking. No, but. no. I, I thought of that, too. I think you're raising a really good consideration, Matt. Like um, when I was looking through articles like this from CSO Online and other sources, uh, one thing that I loved was the vague nature of the, you know, when you get to the nuts and bolts in technology, say it's pioneering, right? Uh, which means in my mind that it is publicly admitted to be pioneering now. Uh, and then they also use phrases that feel like they come from hastily written cop shows. Enhance. Enhance. Can we enhance? Yes. You know, and yes. that's right up there with the 90s hacker movies where people, quote, re- uh, reroute the encryptions. Right. Oh, yes. don't worry. I, I rerouted the encryptions. Now we're in. And you've got the right noises. Paul, throw me some hacker noises. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. My favorite Whoa. thing from the movie Hackers, is, or and also just from like 90s internet movies, is the visual representation of the internet where they're like zooming through like and they're representing the internet using like buildings and portals and stuff. Um, but there, there's even a newer article that came out just a couple hours ago. Uh, from bankinfosecurity.com um, that talks about more busts that have been done with this infiltration of this app. And by the way, just a little more detail that wasn't in the Cheese article, um, this EncroChat app, uh, again, it came preloaded on a smartphone that sold for $1,000, uh, and then you'd pay a six-month service plan that was 1700 uh, additional dollars on top of getting the phone. Um, and because they've infiltrated this, they are absolutely knocking them down, just setting them up and knocking them down. Um, on May 26th, Dutch police raided uh, several addresses in The Hague and Rotterdam um, where they uh, found a, quote, industrial-scale cocaine laboratory uh, that was hidden in a building also housing a garage used by criminals to customize vehicles with secret compartments to transport drugs across Europe. Uh, and that is a statement from Europol. Um, wow. So I would think these stories coming out would certainly cause people to not use this app anymore. You'd think they'd maybe be a little more discreet about it, wouldn't you? Like in terms of like outing the app, you'd think they would like do the bus no. but not say how they did it. Why, Ben? Because they've already done the bus. They've gotten they're they're done. They've squeezed they're, 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 every last mm-hmm. uh, drop of juice out of this crime tangerine. 
they're they're going to, and now they're just sort of like, mm, let us tell you how this was tasty. It's uh, maybe plug. We'll go <laughs> William Carlos Williams. But uh, the, there's another interesting statistic I found on this. Uh, as of 2018, 80% of people back then had mobile phones and used them to snap photos that cops could, quote, download, and there's that word again, enhance. So this is only accelerated, right? And it's weird because, you know, you think about the the explosive rise and prevalence of facial recognition technology. It logically follows that, at least in my head, it logically follows that other sorts of physical recognition could be used, you know, like like your hands. We've ruined the lives of uh, would-be hand models who are also criminals and, and have separate accounts on Instagram. It's too late. You got popped. Yep. Yeah, popped. I think this. I think the story is like twofold interesting. Obviously, because of the the identification technology, but also the the level to which these criminals um, went with this IncroChat setup. Like they're all Android phones. They're modified to not contain a SIM card. We always see, you know, in uh, spy movies or whatever. Like whenever someone thinks they're being tracked, they take the SIM card out and break it, you know, and throw it off a bridge or whatever. These are SIM cardless. Uh, they have no camera, no microphone, and no GPS capabilities um, or a, a USB port. But despite all of all of these safeguards. Uh, also, oh, by the way, they also have a dual operating system with the encrypted setup being hidden so it can't be even detected. And also this automatic uh, wipe feature that I was talking about, the deletion um, using a, uh, a specialized code. But even still, uh, good old police work prevails, right? Because they didn't use technology to infiltrate this system, to my knowledge. They just used good old fashioned like posing as a criminal, I imagine. It seems like they they did do a little bit of tech sleuthing here, because um, according to a release uh, here, um, or actually some reporting from Vice, um, they started looking into this service back in 2017, um, and by April of 2020, cops had actually uh, successfully pushed malware onto some of these users' devices that gave them the ability to, let's just say, reroute the encryptions, Ben. How about that? But at the very least, get through them and be able to see what's going on. See through the encryption. Yep. Beware. Doing something illegal with phones. Hanging out on somebody else's phone or computer. Watch out. Um, yeah. yeah. So, guys, while we've been having this discussion, I've been taking screenshots of my fingers uh, through with this camera here. I am unable at this moment, at least using this old MacBook Pro camera, to enhance my fingers enough to clearly make out my fingerprints. But again, if you were using some kind of algorithm or something, perhaps you're uh, in Photoshop possible doing this I'm in Photoshop. Yeah. I'm just attempting just Ooh. to see if I could do it on a low tech way to make it out. The two, the two most foolproof ways to avoid identification in this manner is the last thing I'll say, cause I know we're, we're kind of long, but the, the two most foolproof ways are to one, not have your hands photographed and give up your dreams of being a hand model, which can hit people, you know, that can be a tough thing. Or uh, to take physical methods to hide, either hide or remove your fingerprints. They're possible. It can, you can do it. It is, uh, if you remove them, it is not a not painful procedure. And it is also not a permanent one, depending on how you do it. So, like, if you slice off your fingertips, they'll grow back. Yeah, didn't the character, the, the killer in, in seven, 7, do that? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, acid or some kind of scarification is 
probably your best move. But I, I think if you're at the point where you're realistically saying, maybe I should erase my fingerprints with acid, you, you can take a couple steps back and ask yourself, how did I get here? Yeah. And and I would I would highly recommend Illumination Global's Humiskin gloves that they've been selling. They've just been flying mm-hmm. off the shelves. It feels so much like your own skin when you put them on. I would just recommend those. Totally. And just to, just to sew this up, um, a uh, cybersecurity um, expert consultant from the University of Surrey uh, had this to say about it. His name is Alan Woodward, um, and he just uh, cautioned criminals uh, against, you know, believing that any of these methods are foolproof. He says, if EncroChat showed anything, it was that criminals need to be looking over their shoulder as the law enforcement agencies will not simply give up. They will look for other ways to repeat the success they had with EncroChat. It may not follow the same pattern, but law enforcement agencies are learning to be innovative just as the criminals are. Add to this the power of working internationally, and I think we'll see some more surprises. So something to keep an eye on. Um, But in the meantime, uh, let's take a quick sponsor break, and then we'll be back with some more listener mail. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. 
Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hello, welcome back. Hey, hope you enjoyed that ad break. We are now in the midst of our second segment, and we are going to someone named Connor who experienced something a little bit strange one night out on the road. Connor? Hello, good evening. Uh, my name's Connor. Um, I just want to give you guys a call. Uh, let you know how much I enjoy the show. Uh, and I didn't really know where else to go with this story, but you guys explore a lot of the unknown, the unexplained. So I thought this would be a good place to start. Um, this encounter happened about eight years ago in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, it was Friday night during uh, our senior year of high school in 2012. And my best friend Brennan and I were on the way to a party out in Pooler, Georgia. And we were driving. Uh, since we hadn't gotten to the party yet, we were still sober, uh, going maybe about 55 when we turned down this quieter street near Pooler. Uh, I remember it was a super nice night out, so we had all the windows down the moonroof open. And as the streetlights started to disappear, I remember leaning my head back and staring out the moonroof. And all of a sudden, I saw what looked like hundreds of glowing and pulsating orbs that were just flying in a perfect grid pattern across the sky. Um, I just remember saying, Brennan, and we looked at each other uh, and stared up at the sky in awe. Um, and before we knew it, we looked down the road and we saw several vehicles pulled over ahead of us. Um, that people were getting out and just staring and pointing up at the sky. So we did the same. We pulled over um, behind the row of cars and got out and just started staring up at the sky with everybody else. We were just kind of in awe um, and stood there for a while when an older gentleman walked over to us and, you know, looked up at the sky and just said, you'll never see anything like this again, boys. And after a few minutes, the orbs flew past us and out of sight. Um, so we jumped in the car to see if we could find them again, but didn't have any luck. And ever since that day, Brent and I have repeatedly tried to find any news reports or documentation about what we saw that night, uh, but never found anything. Um, it's the only encounter of, you know, something like that, that either of us had ever had. And to this day, whenever we get together, one of us will end up bringing it up and we'll just talk about how we keep looking for information about it. Um, outside of that, I just want to let you guys know how much I uh, appreciate everything you do, how much I enjoy the show, um, and I just wanted to leave you with this weird story, see what you guys think, and maybe someone else out there sees something like it. Thanks. Oh, man. First off, can I, can I just say, Matt, Connor, that is the coolest old guy you are going to meet for, <laughs> for a long time. The dude I, who was like... Yeah, you never see that again. Yeah, don't see that really again. <laughs> and he was still <laughs> there while they were watching. Did you guys miss? Did you guys hear that detail? Like the guy came yeah. up as this was happening and was like, "Well, boys, never going to see something like that again." And I, who in my head, Connor, you and Brennan and this mysterious older guy just sort of st- stood there together in silence. Or uh, alternately, uh, the old guy just disappears in a poof of smoke. I'd be down with that too. It's a possibility for sure. 
Uh, so yeah, just uh, Connor, thank you so much for the kind words and for telling us about your experience. That, uh, my goodness, I wish I could experience something like you uh, got to see on the road there. Um, it makes me specifically think about some of these recent UAP. Now we we call them UAP sightings, Connor. Right. You know, U.S. always too uh, sexy. Yeah, it really is. It's sexy. Um. <clears throat> But it reminds me of especially the thing that Jeremy Corbell, a person that we've had on the show before, he Ooh. recently posted on Twitter and has been talking about it in the media a lot lately, um, some radar imagery of a essentially swarm of unidentified aerial phenomena. Mm-hmm. He's been showing footage, like radar footage, of a UFO or UAP swarm, essentially, that reminds me a lot of this. And, you know, it doesn't mean that has anything to do with what you saw, but that's certainly in the zeitgeist right now. And it's so interesting to me that you saw that way back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and also congratulations, Connor, to making it through the Mayan apocalypse as we, I guess all did, I suppose. Go us. I don't um, know, I don't, things feel pretty post-apocalyptic. I think that happens. <laughs> or it's happening. Cause that's the it's thing. Happening. The apocalypse doesn't just happen, right? It's, no, ooh. it's like a slow build, you know, it's like a death by a thousand cuts apocalypse. There we go. And part of that was, you know, a grid pattern UAP sighting in Pooler, Georgia, just west of Savannah, Georgia. Um, just joking. But yeah, I, I also in my my search for any specific information about that night or, you know, that kind of sighting, I was unable to find anything either, at least initially. I did not contact your local MUFON uh, mutual UFO network or anything like that. So I haven't I haven't gone all the way down the rabbit hole yet with this, but perhaps there's something else there. And I would love to know if there's anyone else listening near Savannah, Georgia, Pooler, Bloomingdale, Garden City, whatever. If you're out there, um, maybe you too saw something. What I would point out, you guys, immediately, like between, essentially between Savannah and Pooler, Georgia, there's this place called the Savannah Hilton Head International Airport. And... They are, you know, they have a lot of things that fly, <laughs> both inwardly and outwardly from that airport. So I am, I'm wondering if there was something there, but I'm assuming being in Pooler, you know that stuff is flying in and out of that airport all the time, and you wouldn't mistake, you know, something at least regular as what you saw. I'd also be interested, uh, Connor, when you say you guys have looked, you you and your pal Breton have looked into possible sources or corroboration or even other people who would had an eyewitness experience. Uh, Like Matt said, how far did you take it as far as, you know, contacting local law enforcement, which is always a blast, he said sarcastically, to ask (laughs) them if they had any reports, um, maybe check with FAA. There's someone at the airport you could call to ask about this. Uh, MUFON has had some pretty significant internal problems over the last few years. Uh, but the a lot of the local organizations, local versions of the organization are doing great work. And I, I think that's an excellent suggestion, Matt. Um, the other ways you could go, it really depends on how deep into the detective role playing you wish to uh, find yourself. Because mm-hmm. you could also contact radio stations. You can also contact, um, I would say, look into former news reporters or current news reporters who are working at that time. Mm-hmm. It can become a time vampire, dude. Honestly, yep. uh, it can. But it's the payoff is you have to decide 
going into it in advance, you have to decide that you may not find the payoff you're looking for. And if you do, it's going to make all the work worth it. Matt, it's super interesting to me, man, that you're a mind reader. I thought of Jeremy as well. Oh, yeah. I had that image in my mind, the way the way Connor was describing the grid pattern. And honestly, it, well, it didn't seem to be that organized in Jeremy Corbell's released footage of that, that naval uh, radar. But you guys have got a wrinkle for you. Ooh, just, just south and a tiny, tiny bit west of Savannah, there's Ooh. another airport, but it's not really an airport. It's an airfield. It's Ooh. the Hunter Army Airfield. And if you go to Apple Maps, Google Maps, a lot of places, you can't actually go in there. It's grayed out because it's a military, uh, it's property of the military. So you can't like look at everything there mm-hmm. from a satellite point of view. But it is, you know, I think worth noting if you happen to be looking in that direction from Pooler, which is not that far away, I imagine you could see something out in the distance. Um, and if something was traveling from that airfield, I don't know. I can totally imagine it being over Pooler uh, yeah. at some point. That's a really good point because if you look at it, driving distance, Pooler is pretty much right there. It's 20 minutes away, right? Mm-hmm. Or 25 as the crow flies, as they used mm-hmm. to say. But, uh, but well, I guess it depends. If they're, if they're on like, let's say, Pine Barren Road out there in Pooler mm-hmm. or... Uh, maybe South Rogers or the Pooler Parkway. Yeah, they're like, they're right there. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me it depends on something about the crow with the statement as the crow flies. <laughs> no, no, and you'd no. be like, well, you know, is it mating season is that. What's the, what's the crow rules, Ben? Uh, the very uh, amorphous, nonsensical crow rules. We were talking about it yesterday. Every time uh, when someone dies and it's bad, a crow Ooh. comes and spirits their soul away. To, to the land of the dead. And sometimes, sometimes, it brings it back. It's like Highlander rules, you know? It's very unclear as to exactly how it works. Can, can I get a... Was that a Ben impression? No, that was a... Um, <laughs> that, no, it was a, like, a, like, a, like a creepy voiceover movie impression. <laughs> got it, got it. So a Ben impression, I get it. Oh, fair enough. No, fair just... Enough. <laughs> no, it's it. just a, it's a peek behind the scenes. We were at our... Uh, we were at our local bar for a second, and longtime listeners, you'll na- you'll know the terribly creative name of our local bar. Uh, and we're talking about you guys know I have a crow, uh, a corvid in general fascination. We're talking about a friend of ours who had just recently seen the crow for the first time as an adult, and I just love how they don't spend much time explaining why this crow situation breaks down that way. But still, the crow. Let us know if you've seen it, if it holds up for you. Uh, massive amounts of cocaine in that film. Like I was, uh, I oh, was a dude. kid, and it was. I saw it before I saw Scarface, and I, I remember thinking simultaneously, like, did they get in trouble for filming this? Because I've never had a great grasp <laughs> on the separation of fact and fiction. And then also thinking immediately after, am I going to get in trouble for watching this? Is there like some threshold of amounts of cocaine where seeing them also makes you involved in the criminal act? That was the well, scariest part of The Crow for me. It's also a good <laughs> tell as to who's the bad guy. It's usually the guy with the giant mountain of cocaine and the giant pinky nail that he's using to scoop it and, you know, snoot it. Gotta Except use that blow. pinky. 
Yeah, except in Blow, where uh, he's Johnny Depp plays kind of an anti-hero, tragic figure. Uh, but Matt, mm. UFOs, yes. swarms. Yep. You've done some legwork here, man. I admire it. I just sent you one extra thing. I sent it in our chat right now. This is probably unrelated, but I'm sending it to you anyway so you guys can see it. In 2019, I think. Let me see. I love how high my voice went there. Um, I believe it was 2019. Why can't yeah, I see in the it in my time code. Thank you. Good Lord. Appreciate it. I was looking in the actual YouTube <laughs> text. Okay. In 2019, there was a video taken of the SpaceX Starlink uh, satellites. A swarm of them, if you will. It's not really a swarm. It's more like a very organized line of Starlink satellites. Um, so this is seven years after, or around seven years after Connor and his friends had uh, his sighting. But you can watch a video of these Starlink satellites, and it is incredible to see them because it does look like a, um, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it other than a line of lights that seem to be connected almost like the video game Halo in a way, like seems to look like just a string of lights, really, that's just somehow huge and flying way above you. Um, and I would recommend watching this video just to get an idea of how strange that would be if you actually viewed it from yeah. the ground. Yeah, that's a great call too, man, because I think unless you unless you already know what you're looking at or what to expect, this looks extraordinary. It's exceedingly strange. And it, mm -hmm. it's important at this point, Connor, for us to note that uh, none of us, none of us are telling you definitively what you guys saw. No. Uh, if anything, I'm curious to hear a follow-up email or message to tell me more about this old man. I, I love his vibe. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love his whole thing. I want to hear more about him. And I want to hear if he's, whether he said anything. Because his one line is super interesting, right? Yeah. From a screenwriting perspective, even. It's like, somehow he knows you'll never see this again. I just well, feel yeah. like... I feel like he should be like a la Scooby-Doo. Like his, his name should be like something like Old Man Winslow. You know, mm -hmm. maybe he runs a haunted amusement park. He's like, I'm not going to see that, nothing like that in this lifetime. Poof. And then First name, Carl. Yes. Old Carl Winslow. <laughs> old Carl old Winslow. Man, UFO guy. Um, no, but it's, I, I totally, I love this idea, Ben. <laughs> but what if the old man was somehow connected to the sighting? What if they right. were, what if it was his fleet? You know, and Ooh. he was just observing us, observing it in a Ooh. way to understand the way humans think about Ooh. advanced technology. But what if it was a threat? What if that was you'll never see something like this again? What if that was more of him uh, not just being a fellow observer, but he's telling these guys they slipped up and, and uh, maybe saw the wrong thing? Ooh, so. yeah, that, that's a little more foreboding. Uh or sinister interpretation of it. Um, wow. It makes me think of uh, an excellent movie that I know we've talked about, but um, if anyone missed that, I, don't, I can't remember when we've discussed it, but it's come up a time or two, called The Vast of Night uh, that uh, came out last year, I want to say, and it was a very small uh, indie film, uh, absolutely beautifully made, and it's about a rural kind of UFO sighting, but I think it takes place in like the 50s and revolves around radio transmissions and like different tones and things being broadcast. But uh, I highly recommend everyone check that film out if you haven't already seen it. That's right. And again, last call to anybody else out there near Savannah. Did you see anything in 2012? Hmm? Let us know. We look forward to hearing from you. 
We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Thanks again, Connor. Here are some ads. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Wow, those ads. You know, uh, I, I got to tell you, we took some time behind the scenes. We just regrouped. Listen to those ads. So well done. Standing mm-hmm. ovation. 10-10. Yeah. No notes. They, they really pay the bills, too. You know? They they do. They do pay the bills. Uh, so <laughs> thank you for sticking with us uh, through the break. We hope you enjoyed the break as much as we did. Our final story for today uh, follows up on a piece that I believe was in strange news regarding the ongoing crisis with uh, sexual assault kits, which are conventionally known as rape kits. This is the part of the segment that we 
put a disclaimer slash trigger warning for at the top. Uh, however, we believe this information is important. It's part of the mission of this show uh, to to examine, to understand uh, corruption, conspiracy, crises that don't make it to the national news near as often as they should. And as you know, fellow conspiracy realists, uh, my colleagues and I endeavor to find primary sources. We want the firsthand experience. We want to hear from what are sometimes colloquially called the boots on the ground. And this is where Steve B. comes in. Steve, a number of weeks ago, you wrote to us in response to questions about the ongoing catastrophe with backlogs for rape kits. So we're going to share your letter, and then we're going to dive in in a way that hopefully gives all of us uh, a better understanding of this incredibly disturbing uh, and profoundly serious situation. So here we go. Steve, you say, hello, I'm a police officer in Minnesota for a city with over 300,000 people. We take the rape kit serious and sexual assault serious. I can tell you every sexual assault that we take, we try to get the victim to go to the hospital and complete the kit. We handle every kit processed. However, Steve continues, I can tell you the main hospital in our city has about a thousand kits that are unprocessed. They have two refrigerators full of these kits. The kit is only a small box, about three uh, inches by two inches by one inch. Here's the problem with the number of rape kits that have gone unprocessed. A victim can walk into a hospital and say they were raped, but don't want the police called. They still go through the process of the kit, uh, which is called a SANE kit, which stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examination Kit. And Steve says, the hospital will not call the police for a victim. The victim must do it on their own. So if a victim completes the kit, and implying that if they do the kit and they don't make the call, it sits in the same fridge until the victim wants it released to the police. Steve says, I have spoken to a sane nurse, and she told me the oldest one in that fridge was nine years old. Peace. Yeah. And uh, Steve continues, I cannot speak for other states, but that is the issue adding to those unprocessed numbers for Minnesota. And this is a question that we had asked, um, you'll recall, in our earlier times on air with this topic. We, we had asked first responders and law enforcement and people who had experiential knowledge of this matter to help us understand what's going on here. And one of the points that uh, the three of us brought up rightly so, I think, is that uh, unfortunately, all too often, uh, members of law enforcement may disregard or ignore somebody's claim of assault for any number of reasons. Uh, There's actually a site called endthebacklog.org. Yep. It's an organization called the Joyful Heart Foundation, and they have some interesting stats. There are cases in which um, you know, so these these rape kits are entered into evidence or you know filed uh, into these you know evidence rooms, storage rooms. Uh, but it can, but sometimes detectives or prosecutors don't actually request the DNA to be analyzed, so they can be taken, but they're not required to be analyzed. Um, so that's one reason for the backlog, um, and that is considered untested or unsubmitted rape kits. Uh, there's another factor when the backlog literally just comes from lack of 
personnel to process them uh, in a efficient and timely manner, which is the second and probably most troubling part of the backlog. Um, and this Joyful Heart Foundation um, is, you know, uh, believes that all rape kits should be tested, even if that is not requested to be done um, by mm. the prosecutor or detectives. But again, uh, there are no federal laws that uh, require tracking and testing of these rape kits. So it's hard to, you know, know exactly how many are going untested, but it is estimated that hundreds of thousands of untested kits remain in these uh, police storage facilities. Yeah. And I'd like to, I'd like to step back before we continue with that, um, because one of the things that I, I really want to hit here for to to clarify for everybody who isn't aware, you'll hear about these kits and you'll you'll hear these phrases thrown around quite a bit. I like saying kits because hearing the uh, hearing the R word can be quite triggering for survivors of these sorts of attacks. But when you hear that word thrown around, what what does it mean? What does it describe? What exactly is this kit? It's pretty basic stuff. And I, I don't mean that as a criticism of any sort. In these situations, it's better to have the most basic, most reliable components. I think we can all agree. Uh, you get instructions, bags and sheets for evidence collection, swabs for collecting fluids from different parts of the body, uh, sterile urine collection containers, sample containers, blood collecting devices, a comb to be used uh, for collecting evidence from a victim's hair, glass slides, self-sealing envelopes, nail picks, uh, and then generic like white sheets to catch any physical evidence that might have been stripped from the body because unfortunately these are not always, the victims aren't always alive when these things are used. And and then to go forward with that, one thing I, I, I love about and the backlog is, yeah, Noel, as, as you said, that's one of the, the first things they talk about is, is where this backlog comes from. There is a third factor that uh, end the backlog doesn't address right on that main page that we're talking about, and it is the cost of these kits, right? The, you, mm. you just heard the ingredients. The ingredients are relatively inexpensive even in a place like the U.S. that absolutely gouges people on medical devices and equipment. Uh, but this, uh, this process, if we think of each kit in terms of not just the physical materials, but also the processing, then I, w- I went to the GBI, which is the state-level Georgian version of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And according to them, it cost about $900 per kit oh, wow. to... Yeah, which is more expensive than I thought it would be, you know. Um, but again, you know, having no reference for this, they they say that they have 21 trained DNA analysts dedicated to testing these kits. Uh, they have the pro like if they are if all pistons are firing and the wind is at their back, then they can process up to 294 assault kits per month. But typically, they do between 200 and 220 because things keep moving to the front of the line for one reason or another. And this may, this may startle and disturb some of us to learn. There are things known as priority requests. I am sure there are valid and compelling reasons for that. But upon first hearing that, that sounds a little messed up, doesn't it? Like, it does. It does. 
I understand the cost, though. I mean, because you know, of the analysis, because they're ana- they're analyzing multiple different uh, sources. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're talking about nail picks that could be uh, for um, scraping DNA from underneath fingernails from perhaps fighting back against an assailant. And then you might end up with blood or tissue underneath the fingernail. So that's one. Then you obviously have the potential for semen uh, uh, and also the potential for other fluids elsewhere on the body, you know, and like you said, all of these different things are each their own test, I imagine. So I can kind of understand why it would be so costly, but obviously absolutely necessary. So there must be some way to subsidize it or, you know, how, how what's the solution? I wonder. Well, this is really interesting because uh, according to that Fox article you're you're talking about, it it does seem like uh, at least the governor, the current governor of Georgia, is attempting to cut back. So right there, they're having to scale back quite a bit uh, in the the lab, the GBI labs. But it mm-hmm. does feel like with Emory, with Georgia mm-hmm. Tech, with all of these you know institutions, UGA, we could find a way in Georgia to make this kind of testing streamlined and maybe done, you know, through a university system where there are younger people who want to train mm-hmm. to do this kind of testing. It's I, a really I, good point, man. But there's a way. Yeah. And that's something, Steve, that you said that I really appreciate. Like you, you have laid out a, a very solid argument that at times law enforcement's hands are tied. Right, because there are there are any number of rules or policies that are designed to protect victims of these attacks. Right. If you do not want the police involved, if you do not want um, you know, to risk your private information or your identity being leaked to an often vicious and exploitative press, then obviously that should that should be the primary concern. Um in def- it sounds weird saying it, but maybe in defense of like the the prioritization of kits, maybe they're trying to find a serial assaulter or they have a lead or something, and that that puts it to the front of the line because they're trying to close the case. But still, this is the thing that stays with me about this. Uh, everyone listening, the statistics are pretty clear. Testing these kits, getting through this backlog, maybe not in every state, but somewhere in the U.S would expose and quite likely lead to the arrest of a serial sexual assaulter or uh, confirm crimes that they were able to escape justice for. You know That's what I mean? Because a lot of those a lot of those folks are already in prison for something else, I would imagine. That's when right. They get caught. So they would find repeat offenders and they would match it to a single source that is already on record. That's fascinating, Ben. I never thought about that, but it's a it, it is a good point. And I think a good argument for why even but it's all about resources, right? Like, I mean, police uh, forces and, and, and all these uh, local, you know, bureaus of investigation are short staffed and, and there's a lot more crimes often than there are personnel. So it's a delicate balancing act, but it seems very important because this is one of the most egregious crimes, you know, out there, literally taking from someone the most sacred and personal kind of experience, right? A hundred percent. But at the same, just as a counterpoint, there are so many homicides every day. I mean, you cannot compare one crime with another necessarily, but the complete loss of human life, it's a tough thing to argue with that it's maybe right. right. I don't know. It's it's a tough thing to argue, but I would just say in these crime labs, when there is a homicide and DNA maybe needs to be tested for that, I can imagine that taking priority 
over I see what you're something saying. else. And yes. that's, again, yes. that's a, an issue of limited resources there, as you guys pointed out. And I also think it is crucial that we define what backlog means. Uh, those were two, what is a rape kit? What is a backlog? Those are two other things I absolutely wanted to hit somewhere in this segment. The backlog is tough. I will show you this. There's a little bit of math involved, uh, but you can just do it in your head and quickly see the problem without walking through all the sums. According to the place I was quoting earlier in the backlog, uh, every 73 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted in the United States. That's a pretty solid statistic. A sexual assault kit is officially considered backlogged if it has not been submitted for DNA analysis, which usually detectives or prosecutors have to specifically request. It's an opt-in, not an opt-out. Uh, if that kit has been sitting around and hasn't gone for analysis within 10 days of the evidence being submitted, it's considered backlogged. So these things aren't waiting around all the time for nine years. But there is a lot of stuff getting lost in the system. And unfortunately, in this society, uh, there is a crime of this sort every 73 seconds. So the backlog builds very quickly. And without more funding, more visibility, uh, probably some different policies, it's going to be very difficult to address this problem. And, and of course, you know, there are members of law enforcement, members of NGOs like in the backlog who are working around the clock to make this better, to bring justice uh, to these people. But those those numbers, I think, give us a very real sense of the problem. Uh, if you are wondering, if you're in the U.S. and you're wondering what's happening in your state, uh, then one of the best things to do would be to check out the interactive map that is on in the backlog, uh, where you can go state by state and see their status of their policies, whether they've reformed things, where your home state is, essentially, in terms of resolving this. As I had said in, the previous, uh, in, our, in our previous strange news, we know that these reforms can have measurable, significant, positive results. So it's very well worth it, even though it's an issue, you know, that um, many politicians would later, would, would probably prefer not to talk about when they're campaigning, right? Uh, because sure. it makes people think of, horrific things. But Matt, you clocked something that I, I'm glad you mentioned it because we had to mention it at some, some level. Uh, yes, the current governor of our state of Georgia, uh, one Brian Kemp, is asking, for, is asking for significant budget cuts, especially the GBI and especially their state crime lab. Feels like there are other things you could cut from a budget. You know what I mean? It does. Like, Governor's salary. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I know, uh, I know. Not everybody, but, not everybody can do that. But we've all heard the stories of like CEOs refusing to accept no, payment no. for something. But 100. percent And look, I'm I'm not a fan of Brian Kemp. Um, um, he, in my opinion, is not the best dude. Uh, and uh, recently signed this heartbeat bill into law that uh, fundamentally deprives women of the ability to get an abortion beyond a very, very limited window of time. And it's all kind of based around these evangelical ideals about like a heartbeat and the soul. And I know these are all very loaded issues, but to me, this, 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 this feels like something someone like that would also be like, ah, who cares? 
You know, like uh, we're not letting women take control over their bodies and we're also not helping them out when they've been sexually assaulted. So I see. Yeah. And there could be there could be an aspect there where uh, the reporters are spinning a perspective of their own. You know, uh, there's no there's no proof that the governor of Georgia or really any state level, federal level official is sitting around like steepling their fingers, Monty Burns style and saying, yes, let's cut the budget in the way that hurts people the most. Like that doesn't happen. They're thinking of spreadsheets and numbers and it's incredibly dehumanized, right? Because the U.S. really only tends to do something about important issues if there is a face that can be put on it for the evening news. True. When you hear statistics, like this evil, evil thing happens to people every 73 seconds, what you're hearing is the idea of a crime in every 73 seconds. But if every 73 seconds you got a text with the name of the person this was happening to, I guarantee you, the enormity of this miscarriage of justice would hit completely differently. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too optimistic because uh, I'm thinking of Amber Alerts. I certainly. Oh, that's tough, man. That's a really interesting uh, counterpoint. Uh, I, I do feel like associate. I mean, I would take it a step further and say, you know, you often see with people in power that they don't really care about an issue until it happens to someone they love, and then they make it a pet pet cause or a pet project of theirs, but otherwise tend to not be particularly uh, empathetic to others because of that faceless spreadsheety kind of quality of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. For, for my money on the, in the backlog.org site, it's kind of hard to, it might be difficult to get to, but they've got an article or a page here that says test kits, stop serial rapists. And if you go down here, you can see three individual people. They're just examples of people who have been linked to violent crimes and sexual assaults through these kits. And it just shows you like what could happen if you, you know, if we were able to get rid of this, this issue that we're discussing here, how many people we could get off the street, at least Hopefully, in the best, in the worst case scenario, you could nab a, a bunch of people who are doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, to further emphasize and highlight this point, there are people getting away. There are people who have done this. They are walking free. Statistically speaking, I, I should say, statistically speaking, it is very likely that is the case. Uh, and it is a problem that is going to require multiple institutions and authorities and agencies working together. And I think it's a problem that is both solvable and worth solving. Uh, it's also one that is uh, not going to improve anytime soon unless uh, unless there's serious action taken. So thank you. To end the backlog, thank you to everybody who works in the fields of medical, physical, and mental health. Uh, And thank you uh, especially to Steve, because I think a lot of people, perhaps us included on the show today, uh, did not realize that there there were hard ways for any number of stakeholders to prevent uh, an investigation or prevent the processing of these. And 
Uh, with that in mind, uh, we would like to hear your experiences with this process, your ideas of these attempted solutions. And we'd also like to hear about the things you've seen in the sky, as Matt said, if you are from the pool or Savannah metro area, uh, we'd also like to say, because I don't want this to be a total downer ending, uh, what's the weirdest cheese you ever tried? There's mm-hmm. Kazu Merzu, which I haven't tried yet because it's only made in Sardinia and it's illegal, like seriously illegal to have some of it, which I don't understand. But mafioso, if you're out there, <laughs> hit me up. There's also some cheeses, I believe, that like contain live maggots. That's, that's Kazumurzu. Yeah. Oh, that's the one. Boom. Yeah. That's... Why is it? Why is it illegal? Does it make you like trip balls? No, I think it's just violating several very well established health code standards. Have you guys heard of the concept of high meat? High meat is this like trend where people literally leave meat out to rot. Uh, and become infested with maggots and turn green and like you know moldy and fungusy and they eat it and it claims to get them high. That's, high meat. That's a it's a long most, that's a long road to go it, down. It really it's is. True. Yeah, to each their own. But good lord, yeah, what, have we, what, have, own, what I, have we become? I just didn't read it in the anarchist cookbook, so. I'm going to be honest. I probably would have tried it if I if I had read about it. Uh, I may have accidentally tried it. But if that was the situation, I wasn't looking to get high and I wasn't like monitoring whether I felt good about whatever Mm. horrible misadventure I was in. Speaking of that, by the way, guys, I went through my I was in the office again. I went through my office desk and right on the top of it on in one of these locked drawers, there was a how to defuse a bomb, how to defuse a bomb like manual. <laughs> yes. I don't know why I have it. I don't know <laughs> what it's doing in my desk, but it's there. I mean, it's better to have it uh, and not need it than to need it and not have it. You know, that's if yeah. it's got to be at the office or a place where other people might be going through your stuff, it's better to have the book about diffusing bombs. Yes, you're right. Oh, well, don't go through my stuff. Oh, it's okay. Matt's I, in I, the I already now. found it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's our show for today. Thank you, as always, to everyone who took the time to write to us, to email us, to call us. If you want to take a page from your fellow conspiracy realist book, we would love to hear from you, uh, your personal experience with the uh, stories we explored today. We'd also love to hear suggestions for upcoming topics you think Uh, your fellow listeners would enjoy. And we try to be easy to find online. Hopefully you can't find our fingerprints. No one. No, please don't. But we are available in multiple places. We are Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter and Facebook. And we are Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. Um, You can find our favorite place on the internet, the Here's Where It Gets Crazy Facebook group. All you got to do is name one or all three of us or just say something that lets us know that you're a human person who is aware of what the show is. Make Ben laugh. Any of those, any combination of those things and you're in. Uh, You can also give us a telephone call. Yes, you can. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk Please, when you call, give us the name you'd like to be referred to as. Not, it doesn't have to be a real name. It can be. But whatever you want us to call you. And let us know if we can or cannot use your name on the air. Ben, I'm legally deciding that we have to do yes, give give us permission or yeah. do not give us permission. Yeah, you I th- me. I think our attorney would rather you say, you can use this. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we were. uh, It's the it's the old opt in opt out game. 
or mm-hmm. game of framing. And we, I think we talked about this in a previous episode, but uh, my favorite example is when a couple of different countries or communities changed their organ donation option mm-hmm. on a license from opt-in to opt-out. And so many people just don't bother to opt out. So they were able to get a lot more organ donors. Uh, Look, you know, stuff they don't want you to know, 100% guaranteed to be the podcast out of all the other podcasts that will not try to harvest your organs. Take that to the bank. (laughs) Right? We can say that. We can't, you know, we we can't say that about other shows. You know, he's right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) As I sit here in the stuff you should know. Recording studio. studio. Yeah. All right. They, so uh, they have never publicly said they're against organ harvesting. You see how fun framing is, but but that yes, do uh, most importantly, we do uh, we do want to make sure that we don't violate anybody's rights or privacy. So if you do wish us to use your name and or story on air, please do explicitly tell us it's okay. Thank you for that. Yes. So that's the message. That's three minutes that you've got to leave it. Um, please do not leave multiple messages in a row. That just helps us out in listening back to all of them. If you've got a lot to say, then use our email address. It's much easier that way. Our email address is conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer.